God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Gracious Father, we thank You that You are infinitely bigger than us, infinitely more powerful than us, and infinitely able to accomplish Your will in this world, Father God. We thank You that no one and no thing can, can stay Your hand. Father God, we just pray that You'll reveal Yourself to us now, Father God. Father God, open up our, our hearts and our minds to worship You constantly. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.
Till I see your face, let me see your love, let me know your grace, let me run this race, till I see your face. Your cross is the Your son is God, is the King. Now I can see the truth. You love me by finding me your way. You love me by showing me the way. You have my joy. His word is the, is the light which shows me the truth. You love me by finding me away. You love me by showing me the way. You have my joy. Your spirit is God, is the guide as I travel through this life. Your spirit is God, is the seal of your redemption plan. You love me by finding me away.
that I wanna, I'm excited to share with you guys today um, because in our efforts to do what we're doing here, part of that is engaging our community, our culture. And um, always looking for ways to do that, and obviously we don't have just a real big budget, so it's always trying to find that balance. Got a call this week. Um, you guys have heard us talking about the Easter egg hunt. <clears throat> um, and, and we do have a, a person that's helping us get the word out uh, about that and advertising it for us. Um, she called me this week, and the morning before the Easter egg hunt, um, Color 10 and Fox is going to come here, and they want the 10,000 eggs set up, and they're going to do live interviews uh, to promote this for us. And so um, it'll be big. It's more than just about promoting an Easter egg hunt, obviously, uh, but it does give us a chance to interact with people with great purpose and intention. So very excited about that. Um, March 15th, we are going to have an informational meeting. Let me find... Actually, they shouldn't uh, give me things like this. March 15th, there will be more details coming. There's a, an informational meeting, um, 6.30, um, that we'll, we'll talk about what we're going to do, the crafts and stuff like that. And then March 20th, say a time. Okay, we'll, we'll get you the details. We're going to have a party to uh, stuff 10,000 eggs with candy. That's a lot of eggs. And then we'll start at 11. That's right. It's going to be starting at 11 a.m. until we're done stuffing eggs. And um, those eggs have been donated, and the candy's being donated by a church called LifePoint. They're out of Ozark, but they are um, a, a sponsored church, if you will. They're, I, I am mentored by the pastor there. And so, anyway, big things happening with that. And so we just need everybody to be involved. Um, it's, it's a big deal. And, and that day is... There's a lot that happens. Last year we had about 500 people show up, and um, it's it's hectic and it's and it's um, just a lot a lot of stuff going on. But we know that the Lord will be glorified, and that's ultimately what we want. So that's coming up. Community groups. If you're not a part of one, Sunday night um, <clears throat> at six o'clock at Paul and Valentina's house, you can get in one there, or we meet here at 6:30 on Tuesday evenings as well. For that, and so this great Bible study going on, uh, helping us understand how the gospel plays a practical part in our everyday life. I would encourage you to be there. Um, before we go to the scripture, I just want to pray, <clears throat> and um, I will actually make some personal application out of my own life. It's just just real relevant and real real um, timely, uh, I guess. Uh, but I'm going to pray and ask that as I make that application in my life and, and demonstrate. Uh, things out of my life that, that the Lord would do that in your life as well. So let's just pray together. Father, I just thank you so much for this time that we can be together. I thank you for your word. Thank you um, that you have made yourself known and you continue to do it. I thank you that that um, you, you are at work and that you are... Um, that you're working in us and, and even working through us. And, and Father, I pray for... Uh, all that's happening, <clears throat> I pray that you would just help us to remain focused on you and, and, and not lose sight of what this is truly about, not simply growing a church and not simply, not simply uh, gathering as many people as we can, but truly to bring you glory and honor. I pray that as we enter this season that, 
that we're in as we, as we move towards Easter and think about the meaning, the, the price that was paid, the, 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 the debt that was owed, I just pray that you would that you truly break us and rebuild us and grow us and, and use us and make us fruitful. I pray for this time specifically, Father, that, that as we go through these, this passage, as we, as we walk through this passage, that, that you will um, that you'll help me, that you'll give me the words to say, the, the things to say that need to be said, that, that you will help me be open and honest about the application that I need to bring and that you will uh, bring that home into the hearts of each person in this room that we might be shaped further into the likeness of your Son and that we might bring you glory. So all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. John chapter 12. We're going to be picking up in, in verse 12. <clears throat> Before we do that, let me give you the context. The context is hugely important um, because if you don't understand the context, you, you can't truly understand what he's trying to say and, and, and what's going on. Jesus has been ministering for some time and he's near the end of his ministry in fact as we move into john chapter 12 we change we, we change the time or, or the focus of jesus's ministry uh, he starts with this great fanfare and he and people are excited about who he is and what he's doing he starts with the with power and and his teaching is phenomenal and people are moved by it and they're attracted to him and they and they love him up until the time that he begins to call them to something that's a little different than what they expected he begins to call them to, 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 to follow him, even in places where they don't feel completely comfortable or, or, or totally agree with him. And in fact, it really becomes evident, as Jesus is teaching once, that, that he's not simply trying to please the crowds by what he's doing and what he's saying. As he begins to teach, and they totally disagree with him, and they find it hard to deal with, and they get up and leave. And he doesn't run after them and, and say, hey, what, what, where are you going? Let, let, me, let, me, let me change that. Let me, let me please you and let me give you what you want. He, do, he doesn't stop what he's saying. He doesn't take it back. He doesn't, he doesn't reject any truth. But he simply, he simply looks at people and gives them not only what they want, but what they need. And that really begins to push and grate against people's skin. And so what started in fanfare and what started with this big movement becomes something that really begins to threaten his life. Because as he stands for truth and he stands for, for um, the glory of his Father and calling people to a life of faith and not works, they're angered. They get angry and they continue to be angry and it comes to this point where where he continues to demonstrate power, he continues to call people to glorify the Father and that he's the Messiah. And not only is he the Messiah and, and a good teacher, but he's God. And as he does that, people get so angry that they want to kill him. So he goes off and he's, he's away from Jerusalem. He's away from, from people. He, he, he continues to minister, but he's away from the center of, of all the controversy. But we come to this point in John chapter 12 where... The Passover is close, and Jesus is going to go back up to the Passover. And as he enters Jerusalem, they're throwing him a party. And that's what we're going to pick up, and that's what we're going to talk about. 
And then we're going we're gonna to move beyond and see what he has to say about it. John chapter 12, verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Now, the feast that they're referring to is the Passover. There's this huge, huge event annually in Jerusalem. It was the Passover, and every male that was of age was supposed to be there. So every Jewish man... Uh, was really what it was, was supposed to be in Jerusalem. And there's some that would estimate that Jerusalem would grow by at least 2 million people every year for this celebration. Now, I want you to picture that in your head because this is not some small crowd that gathers. This isn't 30 or 40 people that show up. This isn't like, you know, when we have a teaching conference or something in Springfield, people show up and the motels fill up on one side of town. That's not what this is. This is such a big movement and mass of people that, that, that the city is just overwhelmed and overrun. I mean, this is, this is more people than the, the city can handle. <clears throat> and it, it, it's this point at which Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. And, and I, I mean, picture in your mind maybe, maybe something like uh, New Year's Eve in Times Square. You know, you look and there's just this, this, this mass of people. That, that's, that's how many people we're talking about. And that's the picture that, that I think is being painted here. And these people, they hear that Jesus is coming and that, that He's coming into Jerusalem. And so they take branches of palm trees and went out to meet Him crying, Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, If you're not daughter of Zion, behold, your King is coming sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about Him and had been done to Him. The crowd that had been with Him when He called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised Him from the dead continued to bear witness. Now see, this is what's going on. Jesus has done this amazing, amazing work. He's done this amazing miracle. And while some people wanted to kill Him because of it, others believe in Him, they trust in Him, and they are running around and they are telling everyone about what they've seen and what they've experienced. They believe in Jesus now. They recognize Him to be the Messiah. They recognize Him to be sent of God. And they are telling everyone. This is the most amazing thing they've ever known or experienced and they want people to know about it. And they don't care. You see, earlier, if you were to flip back to John chapter 11, the, the, the leaders of the Jews had said, hey, if you see Jesus, if you hear about Jesus, you tell us. We're going to get Him. But they're not afraid of that. They're not, they're not scared that, that something's going to happen to them because their faith is so true and so real. And so they're running around bearing witness. And as they do that, it is working this, this group of people, this, this mass of people, into this excitement, and not a frenzy necessarily that's bad, but they are excited. And they want to see Jesus, and they want to experience this man who can call people back from the dead. You know, he'd been ministering for some time in Jerusalem. It wasn't as if this was the first thing he'd done. The rumors about Jesus were all over the place. They were everywhere. People from all parts of the regions had known about Jesus. And so these people are running around telling people what they've experienced, telling people about this man Jesus, and they are excited. And they want to experience Him, and they want to see Him, and they, want to, and, and they just want to you know, place their eyes on Him. Possibly they want to be healed by Him. Possibly they, they want to hear Him teach. They want to hear what He has to say. But, but the thing is, is that they come out and they see Him coming in on a colt. And their tradition 
In that time, the tradition would be that as, they, as, as, as a king rides into a city and into a, into a region on a colt, they recognize that he's coming in peace. You see, in that time, a king would ride into, into a province or a region on a horse if he was gathering people for war. If he was coming to, to call people to war. But, but Jesus rides in on a colt in this, in this mode of peace. And, 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 and he does it, as they recognize later, as a fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus truly was the one that had been called or who had been sent. He truly was the Messiah. Come to bring peace. Not, not, not a peace necessarily first and foremost between men, but, but a peace between God and man. And, and, and people are there and they're crying out and they're celebrating and they're, and they're, and they're, they're, they're adoring Him and they're loving Him and, and they are, they're, they're singing His praises. Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. And that sounds so exciting and so real and so authentic. The rest of the story is, is at the end of this week, this final week of Christ's life on the earth in this public ministry, many of those same people would stand in a square and scream, Crucify Him! Crucify Him! Crucify Him! And what seemed to be this moment of worship and adoration in a snapshot is shown to be something that's probably motivated by selfish agendas and self-serving ideas. It goes on to say, let's pick it back up. It goes on to say in verse 18, the reason why the crowd went to Him was that they had heard that He had done this sign. You see, it wasn't that they were going to Jesus because of who Jesus was. They were going to Jesus because of what Jesus could do. Here's a stark truth. Almost every person sitting in this room, even at the point of salvation, approached Jesus not because of who He was, but because of what he could do. I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to pray to Jesus. Honestly, even beyond that, our works can be motivated not because of who Jesus is, but because of what Jesus says he'll do. There's movements that are based on this idea that if you just do the right things, if you just believe enough, if you just say the right words, you can get Jesus to act any way you want Him to. And the way we really want Him to act is the easy life for us, the riches, the wealth, the simplicities of, are, are the things that bring us joy. They didn't seek Jesus first because of who He was, but what He could do. Verse 19 says, So the Pharisees said to one another, See that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after Him. And so what we have is a picture of two groups of people. We have this group of people that 
they're running to Jesus. I mean, there are throngs of people. It's, it, but between Bethany and Jerusalem, is about two miles long. I don't think that this is one small little group of people as he comes into Jerusalem. I think this line stretched. Maybe not the whole two miles, but the line stretched out of Jerusalem and as people came in contact and they saw Jesus, they were throwing their coats down and waving palm branches, celebrating His coming into Jerusalem. Millions of people. And when the Jewish leaders saw this, we see the second group of people not approaching Jesus for a selfish agenda, but rejecting Jesus because of a selfish agenda. You see, all they wanted was their way of life. Jesus threatened everything that they believed in and stood for. We have the law. We are the connection to God. We are the ones who get to say what's good and bad. We are the ones that everything rests on. It's us. It's our way of life. It's, it's, it's about who we are and about what we do. And no one is going to come in and tell us that we're wrong. No one is going to come and tell us that we don't live by the law. No one is going to come in and tell us that we don't have mercy and grace. And everything that they stood for, Jesus threatened. Everything that they believed in and hoped in, Jesus pulled the foundations right beneath them. We have two groups of people with the very same problem, demonstrating it in two different ways. One's running to Jesus. The other... They feel a little defeated because of all of that, that apparent success. They feel a little defeated because it, it doesn't seem to be going in their way that, at, at that moment. We've gained nothing. How in the world? We, we, we don't have any power to stop this. Everybody's going to Him. You hear the defeat? But do you hear the, do you hear the disdain? Do you hear the do you hear the 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 the, the thoughts of of uh, hate and 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 rejection? Everybody's going to him. What's he got that we don't have? What? what who? Who is he? The whole world has gone after him. It's an interesting contrast as we continue through this passage. Because what we see in the selfishness of mankind is in stark contrast to what we see from Jesus Christ. See, so it continues to say in verse 20, it says, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came up to Philip, who was from Bethsaida, in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Now, I don't know if the Greek got, these Greek guys ever got to see Jesus, but when they told Jesus what was, what, what, what was going on and that these Greek fellows wanted to see him, this is how Jesus answers. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, 
Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify Your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. I want you to stop and think about what Jesus is saying. In, in, in verse um, 23, he, he, he says, or verse 24, He says, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls in the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is that grain of wheat. He, he's, not first, he's not first putting this on us. That's going to come. He's not first saying that you need to be this grain of wheat. He's saying that this is what this is about for me. What, what, what my life is is not simply to, to live and, and bring all this glory to myself. It's not all about raising myself up. He's the grain of wheat. And He was, he was, he was sent with a very specific purpose. We plant wheat to grow wheat. We plant corn to grow corn. We plant apples, seeds to grow apples. Roses to see roses and, and their beauty. He, he was sent with a very specific purpose. And if he hadn't followed in it, if he hadn't, if he hadn't allowed himself to be ridiculed and mocked and beaten and killed, if he hadn't followed in that purpose, then he would not be what he was intended to be. And he, his life wouldn't have bared the fruit that it was intended to bear. You see, he recognized something. We, we, we want to run after things and we want to chase after things. I want success in life. So I work hard. I, 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 I want to be popular. So I try not to be controversial or con confrontational too much. I try to do things that people, ple that, that people are pleased by. I, 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 I want some measure of, of power. So I try and stand in authority. I'm not the only one that does these things. We all do. We won't talk to people in love and truth because we want them to like us. We won't speak to people in, in, in ways that, that make us appear like we could be a doormat. We want, to be, we want to be people of integrity and power and stand tall. And people look at us and say, look at that guy, he's something. Most of us, growing up in a generation that calls us to live for the American dream, we strive hard to find success in this life. See, Jesus recognized something. His purpose wasn't in this life. His purpose wasn't simply for what was to come now. He was the seed. He was that grain of wheat that was to be planted. He was, he was, he was, he was truly going to be put in the ground. But he hadn't, had, he, had He not been there, had that not happened to Him, He would have been as useless as a corn kernel in my hand an apple seed in my pocket, a rose seed. Roses have seeds. I don't know. A rose that's never planted. 
But think about it. When do we enjoy the beauty of the rose? After it's been planted and after it's grown and the flowers come forth. When do we enjoy the fruit of the apple tree that feeds for generations? After the seed is put in the ground. You know, if you could watch those things happen in the earth, if, if you could step back and see them, and there's footage, you can find this on, on, on the internet, you can look it up, and it, it looks like the seed is being demolished and, and destroyed. But what comes from it is beautiful and amazing. And so much more than the seed could ever be by itself. See, Jesus is saying, this is what I'm here for. This is what I've come to do. And what you're going to see is defeat. What the world would say has defeated me is going to bring victory. You see, He goes on to say that whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. <laughs> Jesus' life, it was devoted it was, it was devoted to the Father's will. It, it, it wasn't that, it, that, that He came so that He could be a king of a nation. He came because He's king of kings. He, he didn't come to, to lead just a people. Or just one nation of people. He came to be the king of nations of people. See, we, we buy into this lie that, that, that hitting a problem head on, that's the way to fix it. And so as we, as we, as we approach our, our life that way, in, in some way we think that, that I, I can just fix this by, by looking at this one problem and fixing that one problem, not realizing that those are all just symptoms, not realizing that those, that those problems just, just really point to one bigger problem, one greater need. And that until we recognize that, that it's not the things of this world that matter, and that we're ready to let go of these things, that we'll gain this insight. You see, in Jesus, His devotion to His Father, it didn't keep Him from enjoying time with His apostles and teaching it didn't keep him from, from gaining, you know, enjoying the taste of food and enjoying the fellowship that comes around the table. It didn't keep him from, from finding pleasure from things in the world. What it kept him from was finding hope, finding identity, finding, finding purpose in those things. When we introduce ourselves, you can see this really clearly. How you doing? My name's Seth. Well, tell me a bit, little bit, bit about yourself, Seth. Well, I'm an aircraft mechanic. I'm a, and we start listing off all these things that we do. And all these things that give us identity. And all these things that give us purpose. And all these things that make us look good. It's all these things really of the world. When really... That purpose and that identity and, 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 and that the truth to who we are is because of who God is first. 
You see, the idea here is not that we gain life or that we can have this nine-step process to gaining eternal life. Jesus is not saying if you go off and you sell all your goods and you go move into the mountains and you go live by yourself and, and, and just disregard everything that this world has to offer. If you just move away from it all and, and don't let yourself have anything and you walk around with a frown on your face all the time and, and you act like no, nothing makes you happy and you just dis, just have disdain and hate for everything that's in this world, then you have life. That's not what He's saying. You see, what he's saying is those things can't give us life. Those things can't bring us purpose. Those things can't make us who we need to be. And we have to let go of them and cling to Him. See, what what Jesus isn't saying is that we can't enjoy things or that things are evil. What Jesus isn't saying is that, that, <clears throat> that to gain life is to just throw everything away. What Jesus is saying is that our hopes and dreams, the things that we experience here, they must not be rooted in anything before they are rooted in Him. He truly is the Savior. He truly is our hope. And as I said just a second ago, you know, Jesus, what it looks like is he's, the, he's headed for defeat. He's, he's headed for this place that looks like it's gonna, that, that the world is going to win, but that's going to bring great victory. I'm going to skip down now to verse 27. And he says, My soul, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come. To this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus knew what was going to be happening at the end of that week. And as he looked forward and knew what he was going to experience, he recognized that it was not going to be an easy road. You see, he, he knew that there was going to be a moment in time where he was going to be beaten and mocked. He knew that there was going to be a moment in time where His weight hung from nails as He hung on that cross. He knew that there was going to be a time, and I think this is the thing that caused Him the greatest trouble. He knew that there was going to be a time when Jesus, He who knew no sin, became sin. And there was going to be a time when this perfect unity, this this perfect unity and, and communion between the Father and Son had to be broken. Because He became sin. He became deplorable to His Father. And His Father puts darkness on the world so that, so that no one sees it. His, His Father darkens the earth. He darkens the sun. And no one can see what's going on. And we can't comprehend in this moment all that's happening in this mystery as Jesus bears our sin. It is a rough road. And it looked like defeat was imminent. And he says, what am I to do? Ask him to take it away? Tell him that I don't want to do this? Uh, But that's the very purpose that I came. So I come to this place that I am so willing to give of myself 
for the glory of my Father. See, there's a song, and I know we, 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 I don't, we never sung it here, and it's, it's older, and so probably, well, after I say this, we probably never will sing it here. It's a good song. It, the, 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 the rhythm is good, makes you want to sing it by a popular guy. But it talks about how Jesus was on the cross, and in that moment, he, it, it, it says that... I'm going to have to sing it. I'm sorry. I'm going to do this to you. <clears throat> Crucified, laid behind a stone, lived to die, rejected and alone. Oh, I see a bunch of heads nodding. See, we know that song. We like singing that song. But there's a phrase in it that bothers me. Like a rose trampled on the ground. How's the next one go? Like a rose trampled on the ground. He thought of me above all. Something like that. As Jesus sat here troubled and grieved and what was moving him, his first intent and his first thought was not how can I make myself more popular? How can I get these people to move? How can I do this for them? His thought was, Father, glorify Yourself. See, it's a great song. It's bad theology. Our first motive, His first motive, was his father. And it'd be great if we could leave it there. It'd be easier if we could leave it there. You see, but Jesus He said something in the midst of this that doesn't allow us to leave it there. You see, in verse twenty six he says this If anyone serves me he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. You see, Jesus began in this moment speaking about himself. He's the grain of wheat. His life is exemplified by bringing glory to the Father. That's what the purpose of it was. That's what it was all about. Do we get to be bearers of that? And do we get to be beneficiaries of, of that great news? Absolutely we do. But it was about bringing glory to the Father. But then He says this. If you're going to follow Me, if you're going to serve Me, this is what you're to do as well. This is one of my greatest struggles. Even this morning, as I came through the door, I'm cloudy, I'm unfocused, and I'm thinking, how in the world am I going to preach this message? How in the world are, going to pe are people going to perceive me? How in the world can I do this? Somehow thinking that it's more about me than about Him. 
You see, and, and, and honestly, as we work to see this church grow and as we work to, 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 to do a, a good thing in this city and as we work to engage our culture, this is my fear for us at the way. That we will not recognize this truth. Building a big church is not for our glory. Although we will fight hard against that temptation every step of the way. The number of people that are seated in these seats does not demonstrate our popularity. Although we will fight hard against that every step of the way. (laughs) The glory truly belongs to the Father. And He's called us to lay, lay aside our selfish motives, to, to, to die to our selfish agendas and our selfish motivations. You see, if, if we come into this place, if, if, we, if we go into our life every day looking to satisfy ourselves and looking to build ourselves up and, and looking in some way to bring ourselves glory... We're no different than the Jews that ran to Jesus because they wanted to experience His power. And we're no different than the Pharisees who stood and felt defeated because He was threatening their way of life. We can no longer face this world and engage this culture with selfish motivations if we want to see true change. We must die to ourselves. We must die to our agendas. We must die to our selfish motivations. We must die to those things that motivate us and let go of the things of this world and hang on only to the glory of God the Father. The thing that can set this church apart, the thing that can set you apart from every other person around you and every person in the, in, in, in the walk of your life. Well, let me not say every, because there's other believers who do this. But the thing that can truly mark you as a believer is a dying to yourself and a living to the glory of the Father. Let me guarantee one thing for you. It's not going to be easy. The road is not, it's not going to, to look as if every moment is successful. It's not going to be that, that every step of the way seems like you're making great headway. It's dying to yourself living for His glory. Recognizing that, that as you give up what you selfishly desire for His glory, He will do what He's called you to do. Or He will do His work and, and, and do it in you and do it through you. You see, it says we're called to be servants. We're called to be followers. And as we live that life, We'll be honored. But I think we have to be careful as we think about that. Because it's easy to pick it up, to start walking the walk, and putting on that act in hopes of being honored. You see, what, what I think this is telling us What I think this is telling each of us as we move forward in our personal lives, in our corporate lives, is that we have to have God first. 
And as we have God first, I know it's not, it's not just extremely, uh, you could have come up with that one on your own, couldn't you? But as we have God first, as we follow our Savior Jesus Christ, as we serve our Savior Jesus Christ, we don't have to worry first about ourselves. We don't have to first worry about what people are going to say about us. We don't first have to worry about how our needs are going to be met. We don't first have to worry about who's going to, who's going to feed me back as I do all of these things sacrificially. We don't first have to worry about, about how, things, how am I going to be taken care of. You see, what I think this is telling us is that as we find God first, as we follow Jesus Christ as our Savior and serve Him as our Lord, that our problems and our issues are going to be taken care of. And we can trust Him in that. Because He is going to do what He's always said He's going to do. You know, Jesus comes to the end of it. He comes to that last passage, that last phrase, and He says, Am I to turn away from what God has called me to do? Or am I to, to go into it and just say, Father, whatever it costs, glorify Your name. That's the life we've been called to. Whatever it costs, Father, glorify Your name. And I love this. I love the way that this passage closes. It, it, it doesn't get a lot of play in churches. We don't talk about it a lot. But this is the third time in Christ's life that God spoke out loud from heaven. And it wasn't because the attitude of the Jews who ran to Jesus. And it wasn't because of the attitude of the Jews who stood in disdain of Jesus. But it was Jesus' sacrificial acts towards the glory of His Father that He answered and He said, I will glorify it. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. You see, our life was never meant to be lived with ourselves in full focus. We're to die to ourselves and live to Christ so that He can gain the glory. Every head bowed, every eye closed. There's a difference between standing here in front of you and talking about the struggle of pride that I face and, and just align myself to it. I don't want you to think that I'm standing up here and trying to build a big church so that I can be famous and be a TV preacher someday. That's not my intent. But what I do want you to understand is that we all struggle. And we should be struggling. And if you're not struggling and you're, you're dealing with sin and you're covering it up with other sin and, and, and you're just living so that people will think you're good or that you're trying to glorify yourself in some way, this message is for you. Your glory is not yours to gain. Let God do that for you. 
Think about those areas of your life, those things that give you identity and purpose and, and, and a sense of power and control. And turn them over to Jesus now. Repent from them. Turn to Christ as Savior and Lord. Serve Him and follow Him. Struggle against that sin and recognize that as you fail and as you make mistakes in those things, that He's going to be gracious. He's going to be merciful. Struggle against that sin and live to glorify Him. Dear Jesus, I thank You so much for coming. I thank You so much for the price that You paid on the cross. I thank You so much for loving us in our failures and and loving us in, in spite of who we are and in spite of how we act and in spite of how we worship ourselves over You almost on a daily basis. I, I praise you for, for doing this in, in spite of who we are. I just pray, I pray, Jesus, that, that through the Spirit today that, that you will help us recognize this so that as we continue to approach a city, as we continue to reach out to a city that needs to know your love and, and needs to hear of what you've done, help us to be like those Jews that saw you raise Lazarus and, 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 and we're so excited and so moved and, and believe so completely that they, that they threw off all concerns for themselves and they went and they told people about you. Help us to, to, to run with this desire to see you glorified. Help us to run and, and, and speak about what you're doing in our lives and how you're, how you're helping us overcome this sinful flesh and, and help us to speak about what you've done not just in us, but in our community and and in our family, this church. Help us to live no longer for our own glory, but Yours. So all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you guys sit here and think about it and and have dealt with this, um, it always brings us to a place of response to it. The, the the truth is is that that's what our life really is, should be about consistently. I don't know how you need to respond. I, I I don't know the specifics of each person sitting in this room. I don't know exactly where this message might have might have hit you. But the truth is is that we are called to respond. So if if that means that you've got issues that you need somebody to stand with you in, hey, make them known. There is no one, I tell this to my boys all the time, I can't help you if I don't know you've got a problem. I may not be the one that needs to help you. It may be somebody else sitting in the room. There, there, there is no way that we were ever meant to walk this walk alone. We need to stand together. If that response is, hey, you know what? I've been living a sham. I've been living a lie. But I want to live for His glory. I believe in Jesus, then we need to know. You need to turn and you need to walk in that way. If it's, if it's somehow that, that there's things in your life that somehow you're holding back from Him, you need to let go and give it over. Whatever it is, you need to do it today. And as we sing, as we worship, if, that's, if that means you need to stop and just pray, sit down and pray. There's nobody here that cares if you do that. 
If you need to pray with somebody, grab somebody and get them to pray with you. If that means um, singing and, and just being excited about who Jesus is, do it. That's, that's what we're going to do now. Let's just respond to him. You are God of this city. You're the king of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. Oh, there is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. You're the Lord of creation. You're the creator of you're the king of all kings. You are. You're the strength in our weakness. You're the love to the broken. You're the joy to the sadness. You are. For there is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this
Father God, you will, you will teach us to glorify you and your Son. Father God, that we may live for you and through you, Father God. As we go through our lives and we work, Father God, and as we go to college and learn, Father God, let our focus be upon you and bringing glory to your name wherever we are. 
Father God, that should be the desire of our heart for You to be glorified. So bring that, bring that about in us, Father God. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.
I no longer live, you live in me. You live in me. You live in me. I have been crucified. It is no longer I who live, but you who live in me. You live in me, you live in me. Dearly gracious Father, I thank you for what you have done to save us, to bring glory to your name.